He is a former St. Louis County Police Department officer serving in the Tactical Operations Unit as an undercover narcotics and also homicide detective. He's here to talk about the mystery surrounding the murder of Wellston Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. In the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, we are joined by special guests talking about their experiences, their realities of investigating crimes, plus those who have experienced horrendous trauma, police, first responders, military, and victims of crime share their stories. Hi, I'm John J. Wiley. In addition to being a broadcaster, I'm also a retired police sergeant. Be sure to check out our website, letradio.com, and also like us on Facebook. Search for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. Call us from Florida. We have a repeat return guest, Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County police officer. He worked in narcotics. He was also a homicide detective. He's an author of five books, and you can get more information. Just do a Google search for Ken Dye. That's D-Y-E books. And last time you were here, Ken, you talked about the Bi-State Strangler, correct? Yes, that's right, Jay. It's a pleasure to have you back here, and we're going to talk about a case that is a mystery, but not really. We're talking about the murder of Wellston, Missouri, Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. He was killed October 1st, 1981. Am I correct on that one? That's correct, yeah. November 1st, I'm sorry, October 1st, 1981. That's a long time ago. The funny thing is, Ken, I was trying to do some research and looking up Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson, and there's like zero information. If it wasn't for ODMP.org, there'd be nothing online about him, and it's a real mystery. So I'm really glad you're here to talk about the case, your investigation of it, and what you know of Sergeant Henderson. Uh, Sure. Uh, Sergeant Henderson was a 23-year member of the Wellston Police Department. It's a small department in a a city just... uh, west of the, of St. Louis, uh, within the confines of St. Louis County. And it's a, uh, it's a city that was once a prosperous um, town, but had fallen on hard times, and now is ruled by crime and drugs. Uh, Sergeant Henderson, on, on the morning that he met his death, was uh, driving down the street about 2 in the morning, and he saw some activity, saw these two knuckleheads climbing up a makeshift ladder to uh, break into a small store. And um, Sergeant Henderson was driving down the street without his lights, and he saw these two guys trying to get into the store, and he angled his car in the, um, in the street, and there was a person on the other side of the street, and Henderson opened up his door and got out of his car, and he says, hey, come here, guys. There were two guys that he knew. Of course, you know, cops that work the area always know the the bad folks in there. And um, Mark, who was high on PCP, uh, involved in a, in a felony burglary, walked up to uh, Sergeant Henderson and said, "Hey, Jesse." He turned. The sergeant turned around and fired one shot. 
right in his heart, and uh, Sergeant Henderson fell to the pavement. Yeah, I think he was dead before he hit the ground. He had two bucks in his pocket. And from there, uh, the case the case began. Uh, I got a call about 2, 2.30 in the morning and said, get your butt to Wilston. There's a Wilston police officer been shot. Anyone county homicide to handle it? So I said, yes. So I jumped into some clothes and uh, combed my hair and took off. And um, when I got to the scene, I noticed the, well, the, our our uh, crime scene investigators had gotten there and there were, were the area where he was shot was uh, taped off about a block each way. And um, so we started started our investigation at that point. The Wellston police officers had locked up, uh, well, they'd arrested two guys uh, that were involved in this, and one was a juvenile, one was an adult. By an adult, I mean he was 18, and uh, the other was uh, like 16, 15, 16. And um, we were interviewing these guys at the uh, Wilson Police Department, and then the rumors started. Oh, the cops broke their legs. The cops got a gun to their head. Yeah, yeah. we hear that all the time. And you and I both know. I want to address that really quick. Nobody wants to be the cause of a case being thrown out, especially one involving someone who murdered a police officer or a police sergeant. No one wants to be that guy, ever. Amen. That is very true. And I don't, I don't, I know where this comes from. This comes from Hollywood. We have a job to do. And as difficult as it is, fortunately, my career, I never had to handle an officer who was killed. I had a good friend who was killed in line of duty shortly after I transferred to another district. I'm still bothered by that, Ken. But I was never on scene for one. Yes, you do want to take uh, revenge. You do want to. Ex- to extract some street justice. You do want to do all those things, but no one wants to jeopardize a case, so you don't do it. No, you don't. You, these these people were treated with kid gloves. They were given the Mirandas, all that business. But before I could even get my Miranda card out of the wallet, both of these guys are trying to explain to you why they couldn't have been involved in this. And, and their stories just kept getting more outrageous and ridiculous. But at any rate, uh, there's a little sidebar here. One of the uh, kids' fathers came to the to the police station, and he he was concerned about his son, as he should be. And he said, uh, "Is my son all right?" I said, "Just a minute." And I brought I brought the kid out, and I said, "You want to tell your dad how you're being treated?" He's dad. I'm nobody's hitting me or anything, and and that seemed to kind of put the quash on it. But you know you know what, Jay? In in the situations like this. The rumors and and everything just takes a mind of its own, and it just is is amplified and and made more ridiculous as the as the day goes on. And you know that we were breaking their legs and beating them up and had a gun to their head and all that stuff. It was totally not true. It usually is not true. Look, to be totally honest, there have been a few cases where. People have done things that have been extreme, but they are very much in the minority. We're talking about thousands and thousands of serious, high-crime, high-profile, high-political cases like this one, and very few. Maybe I can count on one hand and have a finger or two left over 
where we had incidents of bad behavior by the police. Yes, well, that 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 occurs from time to time, and and there's uh, there's laws and um, department policy to address that. How old was Sergeant Jesse Henderson when he was killed? He was uh, forty nine. That's a very young man, and uh, as I said earlier, I never had to respond to a call uh, of an officer killed. Many that were injured, many that had been in brawls or shootings, all that stuff. It's high adrenaline, nerve-wracking, and and must have been for you a very emotionally upsetting and difficult experience. Well, of course it was. Um, you know, you're, here's a uniformed police officer, been been with the police department 23 years, had a wife, a family. He has a son that was a lieutenant in the St. Louis uh, Police Department. A good man by all standards. And, and unfortunately, uh, he was taken from us way too young. We are talking with Ken Dye, and we have so much more to talk about. The murder of Wellston, Missouri, Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. This is a law enforcement show. Don't go anywhere. It gets really, really disturbing. We'll be right back. the radio stations in the United States. There are no other shows like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. And on Facebook, there's only one official page. Do a search on Facebook for the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and be sure to like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show Facebook page. Return conversation with Ken Dye. He is a repeat guest. Something doesn't happen very often. He's a former St. Louis County Police Department police officer, serving in a tactical operations unit, also an undercover narcotics detective and a homicide detective. He's the author of five books. Do a search online for Ken Dye. That's D-Y-E books, and you'll be able to find them. We're talking about the murder of Wellston, Missouri, Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. Happened October 1st, 1981. You're lead detective on this. Yes, that's correct. And before we end the break, we're talking about having to respond to a call with an officer being killed, I'll be honest with you, Ken, I've never had to go through that, and I'm I'm grateful I never had to go through that. It, police work was hard enough without having to deal with that. That must have been a, a tremendous amount of pressure for you. Well, yes, it's a lot of pressure. It was a police officer. It was a, a stone-cold murder, and it was a real whodunit. Uh, we didn't have any idea. We knew what happened. We didn't know... Uh, who happened it, you know. And so um, it was a lengthy, exhaustive, and thorough investigation. And uh, we identified the shooter. And um, it, it's kind of interesting how he was uh, uh, identified. The two the two knuckleheads that were burglarizing this thing finally turned, they, they offered a confession and told us, and just laid out what happened. And one of the guys, the juvenile, was packed off to um, the um, juvenile facility in Boonville, Missouri, about in the middle of the state. And uh, we got a court order to go up and talk to this guy. And um, when I went to, to pick him up and bring him back to the grand jury to testify, he was in there. He got a haircut, glasses, uh, cleaned up, and um, his manners were were quite good so so a lot of times these kids that are just street kids you know wondering where they're going to sleep where they're going to eat and they're committed to state uh, 
custody and they, they really get squared away. But then once they're released, they go right back to the environment from which they came and returned to their old ways. But anyway, uh, we brought him back to testify in front of the grand jury about the shooter. And um, uh, this guy's name was So he was he was testifying about how, how it occurred, how it went down, all his business. And um, there was some gal from, uh, you know, one of the more wealthy areas in St. Louis said, uh, you didn't actually see Mr. pull the trigger, did you? And uh, as only a street kid could say, he says, I've seen the fire jump from the gun. And that's all it needed. Boom, he got indicted. And I had to track his down. And uh, we found him um, hiding in uh, in a city someplace, just really low key. So uh, we um, he we didn't run away. Up. He didn't go to a different jurisdiction. He stayed low profile in the area. Yes, he stayed low profile in the area. He thought he he thought he had this thing beat, and but he was laying low, and he was still uh, plying his trade. He was a he was a killer and a drug dealer, and he he just, he's the coldest man I've ever seen. You know. His, his activities cast a shadow on his soul and made his heart black. He, he was just a cold son of a gun. He'd look at you and you, his eyes would run right through you. Yeah, I remember meeting some people like that. And, you know, the, <laughs> the truth is, can, can that the vast majority of encounters, even when you arrest people in police work, is not adversarial. It's not bad. And sometimes it's actually friendly. It's They know the oh, rules yes. of the game. Yeah. And. Most people, if it wasn't for drugs or alcohol, they wouldn't be in where they're at. Or they had five bad minutes of their life made a bad decision. But there is a small percentage that are hardcore, career, violent criminals. And that's what this guy sounds like. That's exactly what he is. And um, as fate would have it, I was I was transferred to the intelligence unit as a deputy commander. And... Um, the special prosecutor who was appointed by the uh, prosecuting attorney refused to move forward with the case. And uh, Even though he was I, indicted, he wasn't he tried. He was indicted. He was, he was indicted. We tracked him down, got him locked up, got him in uh, pretrial confinement, and through the course of events, I was transferred to uh, the intelligence unit, and uh, the uh, special prosecutor... I wouldn't move forward with this, and uh, this this uh, career criminal, this killer, was released uh, from custody. And from there, he went to St. Joseph, Michigan, where he um, was uh, once again plying his trade, and he got jammed up over there, and he got 40 years in the uh, Michigan Department of Corrections. And I kept following this guy. And uh, it said his parole date was uh, 2034. And um, I even called the Department of Corrections in the Traverse City area and asked him if they had this guy in custody. And they said, yeah, I said, be careful with him. He's a cop killer. And um, so 20, fast forward about 20 years, I'm sitting down here in sunny Florida, and I got up, and something told me in the back of my mind, you know, whoever, maybe God, and he said, uh, check St. Louis today. So I went on my computer, and I checked St. Louis today, and it said, sentenced to 50 years uh, federal time for 
possession, sale of heroin, possession of a gun. I mean, how many bites at the apple does this guy get? Some people I met in my career, Ken, had 30, 40 priors, 10 convictions. And you know what? They should never be on the street. I'll, I'll interrupt real quick. There was a guy I arrested, I believe it was 1984, with a Colt Python 357 Magnum. And mm-hmm. it was a, a handgun, and a guy, a drug dealer said, hey, this guy's come down here to try to, to shoot somebody. I found him, locked him up. He tried to pull the gun out. Me and another officer got him. Not a big deal. He's arrested. He got convicted to a year and never served it. A little less than a year later, he shot and killed a Baltimore police officer named Vincent Adolfo in a stolen car. And he had multiple convictions. He was a second to last man executed in the state of Maryland. And he had multiple convictions, multiple priors, multiple uh, incarcerations. By the time he's in his 30s, he's a stone cold police killer. Exactly. And Jay, that's why we have prison. Some of these people just need to be locked away from society. I've said that to people so many times. People ask me my opinion on gun control. I say, hey, how about we start with criminal control? How about we start with violent career criminals that you cannot rehabilitate? Why don't we lock them up? And I got a really brilliant idea. Let's keep them behind bars where they can't (laughs) hurt anybody else. We are talking with Ken Dye. We're going to talk more about the murder investigation, the murder of Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson from Wellston Police Department in Missouri. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you're on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app, be sure to look for me and follow me. My name's John, the letter J, Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y. You can also search for at L-E-T Radio Show. That's John J. Wiley, W-I-L-E-Y, at L-E-T Radio Show on the Clubhouse drop-in audio chat app. This portion of the show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Return our conversation with Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County police detective. He was a homicide detective. He worked narcotics. He was part of the tech operations unit. He did that for many, many years. He's also the author of five books. Go online, do a search for Ken Dye Books, as D-Y-E. Last time Ken was on a show, we talked about his book, An Investigation of the Bi-State Strangler. We're talking about the murder of Wellston, Missouri, Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. And this happened October 1981. And I did a little snooping beforehand. Wellston is the west of St. Louis in St. Louis County. And you were a homicide detective, and the county got the call to show up. You and you're the lead investigator on this. That's right, Jay. I was uh, I was a lead detective on uh, on this incident, and we uh, started from nothing, and then uh, we had about 50 detectives from St. Louis County there, and um, on the first afternoon after we get everything kind of mapped out we mapped out where we wanted to conduct interviews in a two block area and uh, fortunately with a large department like that you can flood the area with uh, detectives and 
since this was the murder of a police officer, everybody was, you know, real, real anxious to to get going. Oh, we did so, some serious shaking of the bushes, we'd call it, and you know, we did. We canvas, shook talked bushes, to everybody. and uh, we came up with some information. We came up with two or three semi decent pieces of information, and then we put them all together, and then we had um, the the two, uh, the juvenile and the young adult, not the shooter, we had them in custody, and we had them in separate rooms, and their stories just kept getting crazier and crazier. One guy said, well, I, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I got up to wash my tennis shoes. What kind of baloney yeah. is that? And uh, I'm sure you've heard the same kind of silliness. And then uh, the other guy was telling just outlandish stories, and I just said, hey, look, you can either be a witness or you can be a defendant. And I had a, a prosecuting attorney with me, and he said, that's right. And so the juvenile, he kind of laid everything out for us, and then we went and interviewed the were they, other. Were they arrested at the scene? Uh, yeah, they were arrested at the scene right after it occurred by gotcha. uh, officers from the Wellston Police Department. Then they went to Wellston, and then we took them back to our headquarters and where we wanted to get... Uh, One of the things I think that people need to understand is this is before the advent of all the surveillance video cameras. So you didn't have video where you can say, oh, let's check and see who did it. You have to go by what we called old gumshoe police work. You have to talk to people. That's right, Jay. It was a it was a shoe leather case. There there was there was no DNA. There was no uh, cameras. There was uh, reluctant witnesses. You know, I'd, at two o'clock in the morning, I'm in an alley talking to two or three knuckleheads. Uh, you know, trying to put this thing together. But but we did, and it was it was long, and it was tough, and it was challenging, and it was rewarding when we. Uh, were able to indict uh, the shooter for this, and I get to go put the cuffs on him, and he uh, cooled his heels in the county jail for about two years. Until the, the sad we, uh, part about that is that, I mean, the indictment is important. I get that. I really understand that part. But the frustration level for you where the prosecutor wouldn't try them, wouldn't take it to court, even with all this evidence, must have been extremely frustrating for you. Of course, it's frustrating. I was in the intelligence unit at the time, and somebody called me and told me that, and I said, holy cow. So I, I left um, the uh, intelligence office and walked over to the prosecutor's office to walk into this guy's office. Said, Come on, let 12 people tried and true make that decision, not not you just administratively doing that. He said, no, Ken, I'm not going to take it to trial. And I pointed out uh, what what we had and the the two main things were these guys the the two witnesses that were were not charged that but they were culpable they um they laid it out step by step after being interviewed separately so they couldn't get together and concoct a story so you know that's the best we had and uh i was Pretty proud of it, and and uh, and kind of relieved after we got this guy off the street. And um, I've had a lot of my non-cop friends say, "If only you could have better witnesses." 
Yeah, well, I've only had just, better evidence. Yeah, well, all that. Well, sure, you you get the evidence that's at the case at the scene. You can't create evidence. You don't create the case you want. You got to go with the case as presented. And the case of Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson being murdered. First of all, I, I don't understand because I've never been on scene in one of these. You know, Hollywood have you believe that you have the, the crime scene tape, which is important. You you don't allow people in there to disturb, disturb a crime scene, which is important. But they'll have the chalk outline and all that stuff. And I think in this case, the way Hollywood presents these murder investigations does a great disservice, especially nowadays. DNA, fingerprints, surveillance video. If you don't have all that stuff, you're going to have a not guilty. Yeah, yeah, that's true, Jay. That's that's very true. And you know, there's a there's a saying among homicide detectives, you don't pick your cases and you don't pick your evidence. Right, exactly right. <laughs> and you go with where the evidence takes you. you see, like you, you don't create a scenario in your mind and then create the evidence to to justify it. It's the other way around. No, that's right. You got to go with what you got and you got to put a case together. And you got to put it together under trying uh, situations, you know, chief of detectives was banging me all the time hey ken what's going on with this thing let's clean this up you know this is a dead police i said i know chief just a minute i'm, I'm working on it i know you aren't keep going keep going yeah but then and, you had the uh, conversation with the district attorney and he wouldn't try the case no i wouldn't he, he wouldn't and I, did he say why he said it, you didn't have enough i said you had two years to look at this damn thing and now you decide not to you have two witnesses, they were co-suspects that were given a deal, but they're yes. two witnesses nonetheless, and a witness testimony is direct evidence. Exactly. People seem to think, well, fingerprints, DNA is direct evidence. It is. When someone says, I saw so-and-so do such and such, that is direct evidence, and the jury is the one who decides whether that witness testifying is believable or not. And and I I, I got to tell you, Jay, I think these two guys would have been believable. Now they would have to have been coached and informed. You know, just answer the question. Don't elaborate. If you can, just give them a yes or a no, and and stuff like that. But they they could have been good, real good witnesses. I to this day, I don't know why that guy didn't take it. I wish they would have. I've heard of some very rare cases where a police officer's been shot and a suspect's been identified, and he was indicted, and there was warrants issued, and he never was brought to trial, even though they had the opportunity. I believe one was in Columbus, Ohio, last mm-hmm. name Cooper. This is probably the first case I've heard of, and I know there are others, where a, a suspect was indicted for the murder of a police officer and had the opportunity to be brought to trial, and a state's attorney, district attorney, whatever lingo you use, wherever you are in the United States, makes the decision based on their judgment and usually there's influence from above them that they're not going to try it we're going to talk more about this in a few moments we're talking with ken die he's author of five books he's also a former st louis county police detective homicide detective we're talking about the murder of wilson missouri police sergeant jesse henderson we'll be right back Discover the exciting world of podcasts at hefepods.com. From captivating stories to life advice and much more. 
there's a podcast for every interest and passion. Be entertained by your favorite radio personalities in both English and Spanish. Don't waste any more time. Find a great English or Spanish language podcast to follow and discover a world of possibilities in your own language. Find the best podcasts at jefepods.com. In the podcasting world, there's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very few tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime, whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens. So we decided to start a podcast called True Crime Fighters, where we tell their stories. Each episode is no more than 15 minutes long. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, or be sure to check us out and like us on Facebook. Just search for True Crime Fighters. conversation with Ken Dye. Ken is a former St. Louis County, Missouri a homicide detective. He worked undercover narcotics as part of Tactical Operations Unit and he's also the author of five books. Do a Google search for Ken Dye D-Y-E books. You can find all of them on Amazon. We're talking about the October 1st, 1981 murder of Wellston, Missouri Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson. Uh, you were lead detective on that case. And what's really troublesome about this case, you had two co-defendants, for lack of better words, that were given a deal. They were testifying. They could put the gun in the shooter's hand. The shooter was indicted and went to the state's attorney, and they said, no, we're not prosecuting him. That's correct. And it uh, it bothered me then. It bothers me today. It uh I, I keep track of this guy, and you know, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about it. I can't. I can remember sitting at the table of uh, this sergeant's widow in Florissant, Missouri, explaining to her what we did, and and you know, she was a bit beside herself. And then occasionally, I'll go to Officer Down Memorial page just to say hello to Jesse, and I saw that there were some uh, messages there from his daughters and i i emailed them and they said well how'd you get my name i said well i stopped by to say hello to your dad and i saw your name and uh i just threw it out there and then i had some conversation with them and i i straightened it out for them because they 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 were thinking something else and i said no i'm telling you your dad was killed by a heartless, soulless thug who was whacked out on PCP and shot your dad in cold blood. And uh, it, it bothers me. It bothered me then. It bothers me today. I, I, there's not a day goes by that I don't, I don't think about that guy. And you always play what if, Jay. Yeah. You always say, what, what could I have done more? What, what, what? I, I know there's something I could have done. Uh, but I didn't do it, and you kind of blame yourself, you know, to the to a certain extent. You don't let it eat you alive. And by the way, that's natural. It's part of the learning process. Every time we had a case, you said, "What could I have done better? What could I have been more professional about? What could I have done? Where did I screw up?" That's how you become a better cop. And the thing is, like trial preparation. Earlier, you talked about you get coached by the the defense attorney, not defense attorney, the the prosecuting attorney, which basically means, hey. Don't get mad. They're going to, as a cop. What's the first thing they do? They they go after the cop. They try to get you mad. They try to make it personal. You blew it. You did a horrible job. 
or in the case of I'm sure Sergeant Henderson, they'll they'll try to cast aspersions on him. He was doing something he shouldn't be doing. That's why he was killed. Anybody else in the world did that? They'd be like, you can't blame the victim for what occurred. Oh, of course not. Uh, but you got you, can't you got the, the job. Of, that's, there seems to be a, a trend in that direction. Yeah. But you got uh, the job of having to explain to his family afterwards. This is something else that a lot of people don't realize. The detectives involved and the family members of the murdered victims oftentimes meet multiple times, have multiple conversations, and it's always about a really difficult topic. Yes, it is. It, it's, it's difficult to discuss the death of a loved one, especially the murder of a good cop. You know, like you said, they're going to try and blame it on he, Henderson must have been doing something wrong or he was involved in some kind of corruption. Well, he wasn't. He was just a good, solid man, a good, solid cop. And he died on that street that fall morning with $2 in his pocket. Yeah. And it just ain't right, Jay. And his family is left to hold the bag afterwards. Sure. I'm, I'm sure they... They're traumatized, you know. They 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 were, and you know he has a, has a very nice family. His, his uh, sons and daughters are very nice people, and and I had the conversations we had with them were extremely tough. I, I guess is the only way to put it. You know, they're very polite, very understanding, and everything. But I, I you know, damn it, I just there's something you. If if I could have just done something, I don't know what it would have been, and I don't know what it would have been today, but it sure crosses your your, your memory. Yeah. Uh, well, sure. they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but even back then, you know, we didn't have DNA. We didn't have a, and people will say, well, "What about fingerprints?" I can tell you the amount of times you got a fingerprint off a gun, it's like next to impossible. You didn't have the ability to get DNA off of a gun because it didn't exist back then. You didn't have surveillance videos. You didn't have any of the things that we take for granted nowadays to solve cases. And you had to go with, and by the way, co-defendants are not choir boys. They're never going to be choir boys. They're going to have shady backgrounds. And that's for the jury to decipher and and settle. It's for the, the jury and a judge. I've had many well, arguments with state's attorneys about not trying cases. I can't imagine being civil in this one with this conversation. Well, it, it was it was rather lively, shall we say. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, for the sake <laughs> of radio, we'll leave it at that. I, look, just I, I remember having conversations and, and being livid. Ken, saying to him, just do your job. If it gets found not guilty, you at least did your job. I did my job. Do your job. Well, yes, I mean, you know that's not. You're not being unreasonable. They are. They're being unreasonable. Do your job. You know. Yeah, it's it's tough to prepare for a murder case. It's tough to prepare for any case, but that's what you get paid for. Let's go to work, uh, and and offered to help him any way it could. I wrote a report that was about three uh, inches thick, and um, it had everything in it, everybody I talked to. And, you know, there have been about 10 people just put in bits and pieces. We even went so far as to go down to the University of Mississippi and talk to uh, a witness down there. And it was, (laughs) 
it was a good case. It was a good case you could have taken to a jury and put on your best case, and if they found him not guilty, well... You did your best. You did your job. You did your best. Please tell me there is some some karma, some street justice somewhere along the way where the murderer got what he deserved. Well, he he got what he deserved. He's he's still in jail uh, doing federal time. Uh, I've written to the president saying the previous president and saying, don't let this guy out. You know, they they were talking about letting out these nonviolent drug crimes. Explain to me a nonviolent drug crime, Jay. You can't. Well, a lot of the people that exist. a lot of the people that got nailed on the drug crimes uh, had really violent careers before that they weren't charged with. Tell us where people get more information about your books. You have five to choose from. <laughs> well, thanks, Jay. Um, yeah, since I uh, since I left the police department, I I started writing in two thousand nine, and my first book was uh, Shadow of the Arch, and then the second one was Beyond the Shadow of the Arch, and that was about a drug and murder gang in St. Louis that were they were called the Morris Science Temple of America. Then uh, the third, I was writing a fourth, a third book, and this Michael Brown incident occurred in Ferguson, Missouri. Everybody knows that one. Right. And I and you know what I was seeing on TV and and hearing and all this baloney. I said no, that's not right. That, that, that's just not right. So I did a deep dive into it. Talked to a lot of people and and uh, what what everybody was saying actually was not right. Michael Brown didn't have to die is the name of my third book, and he didn't have to die because of his own actions. Right. Well, that's he, the thing uh, people he, lose he sight of. Himself. Exactly. And by the way, just do a, a Google search for Ken Die Books. That's D Y E. And last time you were on the show, you talked about the Bi State Strangler. Are you going to write a book about the murder and investigation of Police Sergeant Jesse Henderson? You know, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me that. I just might. I don't know. We, we'll just have to see. Um, I, I have a blog called Cops Perspective, and uh, I was thinking doing one called The Best of Cops Perspective. And it talks about how cops are mistreated. Ken, thanks so much for being a guest on the show. All very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. You're doing a great job. And uh, keep up the good work. And best to you and your family. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.